Please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis. We are in Genesis chapter 30. We're going to begin in verse 25 of Genesis 30 and we'll work our way through to the end of chapter 31. Um, The section that we looked at last week with Jacob getting to Haran, uh, moving through the section that we're going to look at this week are really in the Scriptures one large whole. They are one story, and so that's why we've had two very large um, uh, uh, scriptures the last two weeks, and so uh, we're going to cover this today. So begin reading with me in Genesis chapter 30, beginning in verse 25. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I have done for you. But Laban said to him, If I found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, Name your wages, and I will pay them. Jacob said to him, You know how I have worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? What shall I give you? He asked. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb, and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages." And my honesty will testify for me in the future whenever you check on the wages you have paid me. Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. That same day he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark colored lambs. And he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flock. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they mated in front of the branches, and they bore young that were streaked or spotted or speckled. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. Thus he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maidservants and manservants and camels and donkeys. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all his wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. 
He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flock gave birth to speckled young. If he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you appointed, anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he accumulated in Padam Aran, to go to the house, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, and crossing the river, he headed for the hill country of Gilead. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream at night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him, and Laban and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of tambourines and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You have done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you, but last night the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you long to return to your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, he shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me. And if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maidservants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent, but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. So he searched, but could not find the household gods. Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? He asked Laban. What sin have I committed that you hunt me down? 
Now that you have searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge between the two of us. I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself, and you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime, and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for the 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you for 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Laban answered Jacob, The women are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, all you see is mine. Yet what can I do today about these daughters of mine, or the children they have borne? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and set it apart as a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather some stones. And they took stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jegar Sahadutha, and Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. That is why it was called Galid. It was also called Mizpah because God, because he said, may the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. If you mistreat my daughters or if you take away any, if you take any wives beside my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember that God is a witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, here is the heap and here is the pillar I have set up between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not go past this heap to your side to harm you, and that you will not go past this heap and pillar to my side to harm me. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father Isaac. He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country and invited his relatives to a meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night there. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. Let's pray. Our God and Father above, speak to us today through your word. Show us how we might know you. Show us how you know and take care of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I thought that since we were going to be here for lunch anyway, we would take a very long, detailed look, word by word look through... No, just kidding. We're actually... I do know this is a long passage, so we're going to hit the high points, but... As we hit the high points, I want us to do that in the context of God's appearing to Jacob in Bethel 20 years prior to this. And I just kind of want us to remind us of what happened there. Jacob was leaving his parents' home. He had tricked Isaac into blessing him. He had previously tricked Esau into giving him his birthright. And so with all this trickery, Esau had declared that he was going to murder his brother Jacob. And so Jacob had left. He left with nothing. And he ends up in the wilderness. He ends up by himself with nothing but a rock to sleep on, and God appears to him. There's this stairway, this, this pyramid-type structure called a ziggurat with the angels going up and down. 
the, the, the stairway connects heaven and earth, and above all of that is God. And God comes to Jacob. We learned that, that was, you know, God is the God who is transcendent. He is above all things. He is above heaven and earth. And yet He's also the God who is imminent. He has entered into the lives of His people. And in entering into the lives of Jacob, He had given him several promises. Some of these promises were, were related to the promises given to Abraham and to Isaac before Jacob. He would give Jacob great offspring that would fill the four corners of the world and would live in the land that God had promised. God had promised to bring Jacob back to the land that he had given to Abraham and to Isaac so that Jacob could live for a time uh, in the land. But he also gives Jacob some promises that are that are unique to Jacob at this point in history, or at least this point in the recorded redemptive history. He promises to be with Jacob, to never leave him. He promises to keep Jacob and to protect him in his travels. And it's in light of these two promises that I kind of want to look at how God has protected Jacob through his time there in Padam Aran, and so I want us to see how God protects Jacob from physical dangers, how God protects Jacob from Laban, and ultimately how God protects Jacob from himself. The first thing is the physical dangers that Jacob has to go through, not only through his trip to Padam Aran to be in the household of, of Laban, but also some physical dangers that he had there. Uh, it was dangerous to travel alone. Uh, and Jacob traveled alone from uh, from Palestine up into uh, the land of the Euphrates, uh, probably somewhere near uh, Babylon, uh, or what we know as Babylon. He also protected Jacob as he was a shepherd. We know from other places in scriptures that being a shepherd could be a dangerous thing. David talked about how uh, he had to protect the flocks from lions and from bears. And Jacob adds to that the fact that he was exposed. He he dwelt in the elements when it was hot during the day, when it was cold during the night. That was his home for those 20 years that he was with Laban, uh, um, tending the flocks. And we know that there are going to be dangers as they travel back uh, from Padam Aran to um, uh, the, the promised land. And so we see that God has protected Jacob from physical dangers. But God has also protected Jacob from Laban. If we kind of consider Laban all through the way, um, he's not a good person. The first time we meet Laban is when Abraham's servant has gone to this very same area to find a wife for Isaac. And he meets Rebekah at the well. He puts some gold bracelets and some gold earrings and a gold nose ring on Rebekah. And she goes back to tell her family about this man who has come to take her away to be the wife of Isaac, uh, their relative, uh, Abraham's son, Isaac. And what's Laban's response? He goes out to see the gold and the riches and the, and the camels that the, the servant has brought for him. And we see in his dealings with, um, with Jacob and with Leah and with Rachel that he views these relationships for their economic benefit. Remember, he sold his daughters to Jacob for 14 years worth of work. He asked Jacob not to leave, not because he wants his family around him, as he argues later on, but because through Jacob, Laban has become wealthy. 
Um, we learn through Jacob's speech that Laban had almost nothing when Jacob got there. And yet when Jacob leaves, Laban is a very wealthy man, as is Jacob. Laban sees the economic benefit of having Jacob there, and that's all he sees. Um, he is portrayed as very selfish. He is portrayed as very manipulative. Jacob says, you've changed my wages ten times. That was probably a figure of speech. Like, you've changed my wages more times than I can count. You've changed the deal on me. It's, it's kind of like if you've ever seen Empire Strikes Back where... Um, uh, Luke and, or excuse me, Leah and Han are getting there to the cloud city in Bespin, and, and the evil villain is there waiting for them, and the person has tricked them. But the, the, the friend of Han and Leah looks at the evil villain and he says, This was not part of the deal. And Darth Vader says, Pray, I don't change the deal any further. That's kind of how Laban was. He changed the deal every time he had an opportunity to, to manipulate Laban. He even twists his words um, as he confronts Jacob. He says, look, I just wanted to tell my daughters and my dear grandchildren goodbye. And, and you have denied me the opportunity to share my love, to share my concern, and to throw you guys a going away party. That's all I wanted. But we find out Laban's real heart later on in that, where he says, honestly, I could destroy you, but God told me not to. And there's the crux of where Laban is. He is out to destroy people for his own gain. For him, it's economic gain. Sometimes for other people, they, they look to destroy people to, to bolster their own sense of self-worth. They, they look to manipulate and destroy others to bolster their own sense of importance or maybe even their own sense of, of um, uh, uh, power in a culture, in a community, in a nation. Laban is the typical, almost narcissistic abuser who is only looking out for himself and he will say anything, do anything, um, engage in any type of activity to make sure everybody knows that he's the most important person in the room. And if you fight against that, he will do anything he can to destroy you. And Jacob needs to be protected from that. God says, I will be with you knowing who Jacob was going to live with for the next 20 years. God said, I will protect you knowing the abuse, knowing the verbal abuse, knowing the difficulties that he was going to suffer at Laban's hand. And he said, I will protect you. And for the people of God, when we are in those types of situations, when we are in those types of relationships, the same promises are there. You're going to suffer at the hands of other people. You're going to suffer at the hands of those who think only of themselves and see themselves as the only important thing in their life and in yours. And if you get in the way, you will feel the full weight of their wrath and destruction. And in those situations, God says, I will be with you and I will protect you. Jacob needed protection from physical dangers. Jacob needed protection from Laban. But I think most importantly, Jacob needed protection from himself. Remember why Jacob was there. 
He was there under the pretense of finding the right wife. But he was really there because he had manipulated and schemed and connived to ostracize himself from his family. That was not his goal, but that was what happened to him. And the danger for Jacob here is that he could become Laban, left to his own devices. We're told that God had told Jacob to to go about asking for the speckled and the spotted and the darker colored sheep as his payment for watching the flocks of Laban. Those are the rare sheep and the goats. Most sheep and goats in this area would come out white or solid color, a solid light color, dark colored, speckled, striped, spotted sheep and goats were the rarity. But even though he was told to ask for that by God, and he had all these promises, he went back to his scheming way to try to make things work out for him. Now, I have read this this passage for years, and in studying it, I was just hoping, man, I am finally going to figure out the science behind cut and mangled sticks producing a certain type of sheep, affecting the genetics of sheep and goats. And you know what the scientific explanation is? It's a bunch of hogwash. There was a superstition during this time that any animal or any human, a female, if you were to see something at either the time of conception or at some time during early pregnancy, something vivid, something striking, that image would be transferred to the, pregnant, to the, to the baby in the womb, to the embryo. Jacob was trying to twist nature to give him what God had promised to give him. Jacob is still the schemer here. He's a little bit better of a schemer than he was when he was back in the promised land with his family. He's affirming who God is. He is affirming that God has given him and promised him the the wealth that he has been given. But he's still trying to twist nature to his own purposes, to his own use. And left to his own devices, he could turn in to Laban. Left to his own means, he would be the one who is trickster and manipulates people and things to get his own way. God has to protect Jacob from himself. And aren't we that way too? As much as we wish to think that, hey, you know, I sit in church every week and and God is changing me, God is moving me, and I want to affirm that He is absolutely doing those things for His children, that He is changing us, but if He were to leave us to our own devices for that change, we would turn into our greatest sin. We would turn into our greatest enemy. We would turn into Laban or to Jacob. Because left to our own devices, we gravitate to sin. And there's no hope apart from God for that. We have to be protected from ourselves. In the 1800s, during the time of the Enlightenment, humanity decided that all of social ills, all of cultural difficulties, poverty, disease, war, famine, anything that was wrong with humanity in the world could be solved through human reason. We believe that as humanity to the point that at the end of the 1800s, we said war is over in enlightened culture and community. 
Well, and then in 1914, all of enlightened culture and community entered into World War I. And so humanity said, okay, we had one last war that we had to get out of our system. We have now entered a time of prosperity and peace that has been brought about by human reason and human reason alone. How did that work out in the 1930s and 40s? How's that working out today? Not too good, is it? We still have this belief that we can do it ourselves, a cultural belief that human reason, human intelligence, technological advances will end all suffering, all sin in the world. We as humans need to be protected from ourselves. Thanks be to God that He restrains sin through His common grace so that things are nowhere near as bad as they could be. But we need protecting from ourselves. We seek to save ourselves, whether it's through work, whether it's through poverty alleviation, whether it's through a pursuit of holiness that we cannot do on our own. And it took God intervening in the form of Jesus for us to have any hope. God protected Jacob from his physical dangers. God protected Jacob from Laban. And God protected Jacob from himself. Left to our own devices, we constantly need to be saved from ourselves. And it's a lifelong process. It's a difficult process. Sometimes it's a painful process. Sometimes God uses the Labans in our lives to show us where we're turning into Laban in our own lives and to help us purif help purify ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit from those things. But even though this is a lifelong process, I think it's important for us to see from the life of Jacob that God uses us anyway. There's, there's a glimpse of hope for Jacob in this passage. The schemer, the manipulator, has been changed enough by God that he goes to his wives. And he says, look, this is the path that is before me. This is the path that God has called me to. And I need to follow him. He doesn't trick them into following him. He doesn't manipulate them into following him. He goes to them and he says, this is what God wants for me to do. And what do they say? We're your wives now. We are your family. We will follow you. It's going to take a wrestling with God as, he re as Jacob reenters the promised land for him to be fully transformed. But God uses him even in the midst of the half transformation. And He is going to do the same for us. We oftentimes think that, yes, I want to do things for God, but I've got to get my holiness in line before I can move forward. God says, no, I want you to work for me now. I want to use you now. I want to use you in the midst of your struggle with sin. I want to use you in the midst of your struggle with sanctification. I want to use you now. And God says, while I am using you, I will protect you from physical danger. I will protect you from the abuses of fellow human beings. And I will protect you from yourself. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Holy Father, we do thank you for this picture of life uh, lived with you through Jacob. We lament for the things that you had to protect him from. We lament for suffering at the hands of physical aspects of this world. We lament for suffering at the hands of other people. We lament for suffering that we bring upon ourselves. But we thank you that you use us even in the midst of the struggle. 
that you use us even in the midst of our process of sanctification and that you protect us and that you are with us now and forevermore. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.